Be sure to check out Sylvie's Love, now on Amazon Prime Video. Set in Harlem in the 1950s, a young woman meets an aspiring saxophonist in her father's record shop, and their love ignites a sweeping romance that transcends the changing times. Watch Sylvie's Love, directed by Eugene Ash, starring Tessa Thompson and Namdi Asamoah, and produced by Moth Board member Gabrielle Glore on Amazon Prime Video. Welcome to the Moth Podcast. I'm your host this week, Sarah Austin Janess. We know times are rough right now, and we hope that you find some comfort in these moth stories. So this week, we have a story of hope. We produce moth main stages all around the world, and we always have one or two local storytellers in each show. Last year, when we were in New Orleans, we reached out to Burnell Cotland to tell a story. He was born and raised in the Lower Ninth Ward of New Orleans. You'll hear more from Burnell after his story, but here's a little introduction. I had a beautiful childhood. The Lower Ninth Ward had everything in here before Katrina. Um, it was fun. We had swimming pools, parks, uh, one big happy family. Everybody knew everybody. I, mean, I, had a, I had a ball. The Lower Ninth Ward was hit hardest by Hurricane Katrina in 2005. And so many years later, they're still rebuilding. Here's Burnell Cotlin, live at the Moth in New Orleans. I had a wonderful childhood growing up here in New Orleans, um, in the Lower Ninth Ward, maybe about 15 minutes from where we're standing. I know everybody thinks they had the best parents in the world. So did I. Um, I learned a lot from my mother as well as from my father. My father was an entrepreneur. He had a, a barber shop in the Trimme area, not too far from here. Um, it's a community hub. Everybody hung out at my dad's barber shop. Um, he supported everybody. One day, my dad was uh, cutting uh, this drug dealer's head, and um, another drug dealer came into the shop, a rival uh, dope dealer, and um, he shot the guy that was in my dad's chair. And uh, he told my dad, you didn't see nothing, you don't know nothing, and you better not say anything. And then he walked out. Now, my dad could have easily uh, looked out the way and said, I didn't see nothing when the, when the police came. But uh, my dad made a sacrifice. He decided to do the right thing. And uh, he, he wanted to testify. Uh, they offered my dad protective custody. He told him no. So um, fast forward, my dad uh, was supposed to go and testify at uh, court. And he stepped out the front um, um, of his house and um, they did a drive-by, and they uh, killed my dad um, the day he was supposed to testify. That, uh, that devastated me and my family and my entire community. Um, it changed my whole life. Um, I ended up joining the military, and um, I became a military police soldier. And I did the whole time in Germany, of all places, Sprechlisecke Deutsch. I was, over there. I was over there long enough to learn the language. Um, I did everything that a police officer uh, was supposed to do and not supposed to do. Um, I've seen a lot of bad things, but it wasn't all bad. I even helped deliver a baby, so that, that was fun. It was fun. But um, something inside of me was still missing, and um, I ended up coming back home, and I went straight back to the uh, Lord Night Ward. Um, and it was fun. I, uh, I found a great job. I was a manager at McDonald's. Um, I bought my first house. I used my VA home loan to buy the house in the, in the Lower Night Ward. This was in about 2001. I thought I was going to live happily ever after. I had 48 wonderful neighbors. Um, 
like I said, it's about 2001 and 2005. Everybody know what, what was coming in 2005. Um, I saw it on the news. Um, I didn't pay no attention to it. The day before Katrina hit New Orleans, I was at work, and I gave away all of the food at McDonald's. I gave away everything, and um, I actually went home and went to sleep. My mom kept calling my phone. She called me a good 12, 13 times. I ignored all the phone calls, but I finally picked it up, and my mom, I've never heard my mom sounded like this. Um, I remember exactly what she said. She said, son, you was not born for a Hurricane Betsy. So you don't know nothing about a hurricane. You spent your entire adult life in the military in Germany. She said, please, please come and evacuate with me. Um, I remember grabbing two pairs of pants and a shirt. And I went to grab my mom's. And what normally would take six hours to go from here to Fort Polk, it took us 18 hours because the whole city was evacuating. Um, we ended up going to a shelter in uh, Fort Polk once we got there. Something I never thought I would see again, they gave me another army cot. So, uh, so uh, we all went to sleep and we woke up the next morning and it was like about maybe a good 65 or 70 of us around this one little bitty small TV in the shelter. And we watched the city of New Orleans go underwater. Um, Everybody cried. Uh, I stepped away, I went outside and tried to maintain my composure as best I could. Um, FEMA came in and they, they sent everybody everywhere. I ended up going to New York and then they sent me to uh, San Antonio, Texas. I still was missing New Orleans. I knew a lot of police officers so I was able to go back to New Orleans because they wasn't letting anybody in the lower night ward. But uh, I was able to go back in there and they snuck me in there. And I went where my house used to be and Katrina took it completely off its foundation and set it in the middle of the streets. I remember going back to where my bed was. Um, I, I remember where I had pictures. I remember where I had a, a TV. Um, I don't have any pictures of my grandparents. I know what they look like up here, but having it physically, it was, it was all gone. Um, it was this, the, the, the smells, it was, it was horrible. I, to be honest with you, I cried. I cried because um, just losing everything and having to start all over, I don't wish that on anybody. But um, FEMA gave me a FEMA trailer and I was able to rebuild my personal house. I went from having 48 wonderful neighbors, even still today, I have three neighbors. That's even today. I only have three neighbors in the lower night ward about 15 minutes from here. Um, after I got my personal house together, I drove up and down the lower night ward. I noticed we didn't have anything. The closest grocery store that we have in the lower night ward, it's Walmart in the next city. Um, I called up all the big box stores. I called Walmart, I called Winn-Dixie, I called Rouse's, and I begged them to come to bring a, a, a supermarket to the Lord Night Board. And I'm embarrassed, because it's the first time I ever heard this. They all told me that they're not coming back because the Lord Night Board is a food desert. I didn't know what the hell a food desert was. So I called up the US uh, Department of Agriculture, and they said that's a lack of grocery store within a three to five mile radius of a certain area. So I said, well, since they're not gonna do anything about it, I am. Uh, I drove up and down the lower night ward and I came across this building uh, on Caffin in Galvis. And it was a horrible building. They have no roof up there, didn't have no walls. It was it was bad. Cause Katrina debris was up to this high, the smells, it was it was horrible. So I'm walking all through this here, and to everybody else, it was just a, a raggedy building. To me, I saw people shopping, I saw a grocery store. I immediately ran to my house. 
I grabbed Keisha, my other half, that's my wife, and I brought it back to the store, and I said, Keisha, I want to open up a grocery store. We don't have any. I want to do something about it. She looked around, and she said, yes. I was extremely happy. So I ran it, uh, grabbed my mom's. I brought my mom's over, and I told her the exact same thing I just told my wife. My mama said, hell no. <laughs> but I, I, I brought a couple of my friends over, they all told me no. But to me, when someone tell uh, me no, that's not a limitation on me, that's a limitation on them. I decided to do it anyway. So Keisha and I, we work every day. We're scrubbing the walls. We got rid of all the Katrina debris, uh, all the mold, the mildew. We was putting up windows. We are just going at it. We worked for about two years straight. Then one day we showed up and had this big old orange note on the side of the building and I grabbed it and it was a code enforcement fine from the city of New Orleans saying they're gonna give me a $17,000 fine because the building wasn't in compliance. Needs to say, I was angry. I was, to be honest, I was, I was totally livid. I was pissed off because I'm trying my best to open up a grocery store. And everywhere else in the city, everybody's partying. Everybody's partying Bourbon Street. I mean, it's, everybody's good to go, but not us in the Lord Night Ward. So I decided to fight. I went to court, uh, and it took us a whole year. And they constantly told us, no, if you don't pay the fine, we're going to take your building. If you don't pay the fine, we're going to take your building. And I didn't know what to do. Um, at that time, uh, Mitch Landrieu was the mayor. He had an open forum for anybody to come and talk to him. So um, it was the same, this long, long, long line. I was in the back of the line, and they had people up there complaining about all kinds of stupid things. One lady was complaining they had too many of Katrina mosquitoes in the air and all kinds of junk. <laughs> I, I was angry, I said, I got a real problem. So, so by the time I got up to the microphone, because I didn't know what the mayor was going to tell me. I didn't know if he was going to tell me to shut up or go home or get out or whatever. But I told the mayor, I said, sir, my name is Bernal Cotlin, and I want to open up the first and only grocery store in the Lord Nightwood. The whole crowd went wild, they, they cheered me on, everybody was happy. But I said, but wait, there's more. I went in my front pocket, and I pulled out the fine. I said, sir, I can't go any further because you slapped me with a $17,000 fine. How can I finish living out my dream of opening up the first grocery store and have to pay this fine? They booed him bad. <laughs> I, felt so, I felt bad for him. So, so the mayor called me up to him, and um, he said, Bernal, look, give me a chance. I, I promise you, I promise you, I will take care of you. So he held his hand out, I held my hand out. I said, sir, please don't let this be a political promise. Please mean this here. He said, trust me, I will. So I went back uh, to work. I checked that same spot every day for two weeks, nothing. But it finally came in the mail. Mayor Mitch Landrieu honored his promise. And when I opened up that letter and it read all the fines was forgiven, it was like Mardi Gras and my birthday and Christmas all at the same time. I was so happy. <laughs> so we um, fast forward, say about three, maybe another four years before we finally was able to open up. I had um, invited him over. We had the ribbon cutting ceremony. It was a Beautiful day. We had birds chirping, the, the sun was out, rainbows. It was a picture-perfect day. Everybody showed up. I, I was blown away. It just touched my heart. Um, they had this one particular lady, though, at my grand opening that, that really blew my mind. It was an elderly lady, Miss Williamson. She came in, and she, she had a chair. She sat down right by my front counter. 
And she was there for like about three hours. So I, I went over to her, I said, ma'am, you okay? And she had tears in her eyes. She said, I've been here, young man, since right after Katrina. And she said she never thought that we have a grocery store in the lower night board. And she asked, was I going to kick out? I said, no, no, you're fine. So she stayed there. And um, she, was, she was extremely happy. She was extremely happy. Um, we used to do this here four days a week. The demand is so high. I'm at my store seven days a week because there's nothing else back there but what we're doing. Um, we also opened up several other businesses in that same uh, strip. Believe it or not, I now have a barber shop. <laughs> so I'm hoping. <laughs> we have a, thank you. I have a, a grocery store, uh, a snowball stand, the barber shop, and a laundromat all in this one building. So now people don't have to catch three, I'm going to say that again, three city buses. They can walk to my building just to get some fresh fruit and vegetables. This taught me a lot of very, very important lessons to don't take nothing for granted, appreciate and value everything that you have because having to lose everything, I don't wish that on anybody. Um, and I also find out what my purpose is. My purpose is service, and that's why I was able to, to easily go from serving our country to serving my community. And I want to tell everybody, thank you all for giving me a chance to, to tell my story, and, and, and thank you for listening. That was Burnell Cotlin. After Burnell told this story in New Orleans, the audience gave him a standing ovation. Burnell is a father and a U.S. veteran, and when I asked him how long he's been married to his wife, Keisha, he said, not long enough. A few months ago at the time of this main stage, I visited Burnell at his market, and we talked about his father and the challenges that he and his neighbors still face today. So, Burnell, where are we right now? We're in the Lower Night Ward uh, of New Orleans at my store, 2036 Caffin Avenue, New Orleans, Louisiana. And how long ago did you open this place up? Ooh, um, back in 2011. It's a Monday morning, so how busy are you? Monday mornings are great. I love Monday mornings. The school kids come early in the morning before they go to school to get their little snacks and things. Uh, a lot of people come in to get their breakfast before they roll into work. Yesterday we had a, a pretty large um, second line here in the Lord Night Ward. So we had quite a few people to come into the uh, store to get their drinks and what have you to go back partying. Can you tell me a little more about your father? What was he like? Oh wow, he was he was a, a funny guy, but um, he taught me a lot of life life lessons. You know, um, to always do the right thing. That was very very important to him to always do the right thing, no matter what. Um, he also taught me how to stand on your own two feet and face all your fears, because on the other side of fear is total bliss. Do you think about your dad these days? Do you feel his spirit around? Oh, definitely. I, I definitely uh, do feel my father's spirit, especially every time I walk into that barber shop. I mean, not sometimes, every time. When I see that barber chair and the, the razors, you know, I think about him, so I know he's here. He said, life is one big circle. I never thought in a thousand years I would own a barber shop. Um, 
of all things to own. <laughs> but um, it was it's something that was needed here uh, in the Lord Night World. Just like right now, this, we need everything. This, this is the only business, and it's been like this since 2005. But that um, that barber shop, um, I'm hoping that my dad is proud of me. Um, I wanted to be a community hub like it, like my dad's shop was, where everybody used to come there and just hang out and chill. It was, it was a good spot. It's a good spot. And I want to do the exact same thing he did. So for people who don't know, can you just describe a little about what the Lower Ninth Ward is like now and then what you're hoping for in the future? Like what is possible here? Um, when you're at the bottom, there's no place to go but up. Right now, the Lower Night Ward is still at the bottom. And I know why people are still afraid you know, to um, build. Um, and the people say they're not coming because there's no businesses. And the businesses say they're not coming because there's no people. So what came first? You know, the chicken or the eggs? Um, but we do have people here. But the ones that's here are suffering because they have to catch buses just to get to any other business here um, in the North Light, in Ninth Ward. Um, it's home. It's still home, even though there's nothing here. Um, I have three neighbors, and before Katrina, I had 48. And it's, it feels like uh, a third world country, to, even though this is the United States of America. And that's why I have to keep on going. What I, um, what I want, I'm just an average guy, but I got above average dreams. What my dreams is now is to see the Lord Nightwood catch up with the rest of the city. Because some parts of the city, you wouldn't know Katrina even hit. You come to New the Lower Night Ward, Katrina is still alive all these years later. Even people here in New Orleans don't know the Lower Night Ward looks like this. Because the news media don't talk about it. So the only way you're going to know that the Lower Night Ward still is affected by Katrina is by doing one or two things. Coming down here to volunteer or uh, you just so happen to stumble across somebody like me. And I tell you that, no, we have nothing in the Lower Night Ward. We have uh, no stores, anything. This is the only laundromat. Um, this is the only grocery store. This is it. And this is only 10 minutes from the French quarters. But the news media stopped talking about it and um, people just automatically assumed because it's so many years later, everybody's good and it's not. Do you have help in this, or are you rebuilding the Lower Ninth Ward by yourself? It's just me, on a daily basis. Um, I know the volunteers that do come here have their lives and their jobs. I wish and pray that they could come here every day. I can get a lot more done. But um, all the funding and everything came from out of my pocket. I bought a Katrina damaged building and I put my entire life savings in here so I don't have to worry about that overhead of paying mortgage or rent. But um, we have a long, long way to go. The Lord Night Ward is still suffering. We're, we're suffering bad here. We're, we're hurting. We're hurting. So um, I'm going to keep on going. I'm not going to stop. That's like this internet cafe, the building I'm working on next door. We had some of the computers. We still have some more work to do. But um, I'd be hiring at least another six to seven people easily once I get that building up and running. Every problem always, always has an answer. This is another rule I live my life by. Um, we don't have any houses. That's a problem. So I can concentrate on a problem or do I fix it? No, you fix it. I'm going to start building houses and more businesses. Everything in life, you have to look at the answer to the problem, no matter how big or small. 
That was Brunel Kotlin. COVID-19 has hit the Lower Ninth Ward and other communities of color especially hard, and many are turning to their neighbors for support. Burnell is still welcoming the community with kindness and generosity, even at his personal expense. Burnell believes, as we do, that everyone can make a difference. He's struggling to keep his market open, and he needs support. If you're in New Orleans, consider visiting Burnell's Market for a snowball and a po'boy and to say hello. And if you're not in New Orleans, go to themoth.org radio extras to find out how you can help to keep him in business. If you're craving more moth stories, be sure to check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, where we're posting tons of videos, story prompts, and more every day. That's all from us this week. Until next time, from all of us here at The Moth, have a story-worthy week. Sarah Austin Jeunesse is The Moth's executive producer and one of the hosts of The Moth Radio Hour. Over the years, she's worked with hundreds of people to craft personal stories. She also launched The Moth's Global Community Program, which elevates stories from South Asia and Africa to highlight world issues, including gender equality and public health. Podcast production by Julia Purcell. The Moth Podcast is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange, helping make public radio more public at prx.org. Moth Story Slams are back. Held on Mondays beginning in February, join us for our weekly open mic story slam competition. February's theme is Love Hurts. Throw your name in the hat for a chance to tell your story or just come to listen to stories of a total eclipse of the heart, kicked to the curb by the people or places or things you love or used to love. Visit themoth.org slash events to buy tickets now. That's themoth.org slash events.